You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. You can also follow us on Twitter. You definitely want to do that at Locked On Hornets. And if you are just joining us for the first time, maybe to check out some draft analysis or post Dwight Howard trade news, uh, we go over all of the top Hornets news every weekday. And we do it, I think, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, uh, better than anyone. So welcome. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. It's the best way to stay on top of all of the Hornets uh, news and analysis. Plus, we delve into NBA topics as well. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. What's up, buddy? We, we are so close. We are we are going across the finish line. We are so close to the draft. And, and we're playing dangerously, David, because we are recording this right now, 9.23 p.m. on the East Coast, <laughs> on the East Coast, and Diane, so on Wednesday night, on Wednesday night. So we're playing dangerous. Uh, hopefully there is not another trade uh, news piece that hits, or we're going to have to basically scrap this. And, and do it again. So, fingers crossed. If you're hearing this now, that means that Rich Cho uh, did not pull off another late-night trade. We are <laughs> hours away from our third live draft special at 7.30 p.m. on YouTube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. Make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube. And uh, second screen, that's the whole big thing in, in television now, second screening. So second screen, your draft coverage with our draft coverage because it's going to be Hornet-centric, and we've got some great guests lined up, including Nada Edwards, Colin Hoggard, Steve Bob Forrest from AtTheHive.com, Adam Chen from Baseline Buzz. All of your Hornets experts will be there. And David, before we start today's show, I'd, I'd really like to say a few things, if you'll allow me. Please. We're approaching our fourth year anniversary, or excuse me, fifth year anniversary on air, about to go into our fifth season. We did over 200 episodes last season. We just eclipsed 2,500 followers on Twitter. We have our own studio space right down the street from Spectrum Center here in Uptown Charlotte. And I just wanted to take this opportunity as we are hours before this draft kicks off to genuinely say we could not have accomplished all of this without the support of all of you who are listening right now. We always say we have the smartest Hornets fans, David, listening to this show, and I've always truly believed that. But today at the press conference on the Dwight Howard trade, or yesterday, I should say, I got a little confirmation. A colleague from one of the local news stations asked me what the reactions have been like to this Dwight Howard trade, and I said, I've been surprised that a majority have either been positive or reasonable and nuanced. We read a lot of them on the show uh, yesterday and the day before. My local news friend shared some of the reaction around talk radio, Facebook, fan pages, etc. that he was seeing. And needless to say, it was very polarized and slanted cynical. All of that to say, I feel part of a, a community of smart basketball people Uh, And and I I feel that when we get on the air, when we read your emails, we're going to do that a little later on in the show, too, and talk to you on Twitter. And we thank you sincerely for that. Some of you have been with us since our podcast days, and some of you are joining us 
in the midst of the most exciting time in the history of our podcast to all of you that have lent us your ear, more importantly, your time. We say thank you, and this season will be the best, most in-depth coverage of the Charlotte Hornets yet. Excellent stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well said, Doug. Thank you. Yeah, if I could just add a little something to that. I, you I may not. Anyway, it. moving on. No, go ahead. <laughs> That's how we do it. Uh, you're seeing a kind of a reflection of that in some of the reactions nationally to the Dwight Howard trade, because I just feel like unless you knew not not exactly the inner workings of the Hornets, but specifically the Miles Plumley contract and some of the you know hurdles they were trying to get by in this offseason, you can't truly appreciate specifically the last 24 hours in this move that was made. And, and you know, look, there's folks in Charlotte, like as we've seen and that follow the Hornets, but may not follow them on a day in day out basis that have a reaction similar to a lot of what the national reaction was, was, which was what is going on? What are they doing? Why is Dwight Howard, you know, going to change anything? And as we've discussed, that's not exactly the angle that, that I would, that we would suggest taking, but I think, you know, Hey, we want to reach out to all those people, right? Anyone listening to this. And like you said, that's, that, that's responded to us on Twitter. I feel like that we are uh, in the know as a group. Right. And so we want to expand that reach and, and, and bring people into the fold. So I think we're doing, we're doing good work and everybody out there that we've talked to on Twitter over the last 24 hours, I think you're doing the good work too. So let's keep going. Absolutely. Well, let's keep going with this show and, and talk about Dwight Howard some more. Let's stay on this topic. We are going to give our final uh, bit of draft analysis before the, the live draft show beginning at 7.30 on uh, uh, Thursday night. But I want to stay on this Dwight Howard thing for a second. Uh, again, the Hornets tra- made a trade Tuesday night. The Hornets acquired Dwight Howard in the 31st pick in Thursday's draft in exchange for Miles Plumley, Marco Bellinelli, and the 41st pick. General Manager Rich Cho and Hornets head coach Steve Clifford both sat down with the media yesterday to discuss. Rich Cho said this deal came together quickly. Clifford told ESPN Charlotte after the press conference that they asked for his opinion, and Clifford felt like Dwight made the team better. And at some point, the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. And Dwight Howard is now a member of the Charlotte Hornets. We went in depth on all of the motivations of the trade yesterday. And today, I wanted to focus on Dwight Howard, the player. Uh, a lot of mis- uh, mixed reactions uh, to his acquisition, David, as, as you touched on. But I think it's tougher to deny uh, just some of if, if you watch his tape, I think it's still tough to deny the, the level of talent that he's going to bring to the Charlotte Hornets roster. Yeah, I think it's a mistake to say that he's not good anymore. I mean, to be honest, like he, he had a fine season in Atlanta. The playoffs were not, were not a good time. Um, and he struggled to find minutes there, but certainly without a doubt, an upgrade over, over Miles Plumley. But I think still a, 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 you know, I mean, a star name only, I guess. I don't think you're going to put him up there, but I mean, a double, double, like 12 and a half rebounds a game. You're going to tell me that's, that's not a good contribution. Um, so I think certainly there's some things to be excited about if you're a Hornets fan and adding Dwight Howard. One of the big things that I think Dwight will add uh, is physicality. It's something that's a little tough to quantify in terms of statistics, but that word physicality came up a lot last year in the context of what this Hornets team was really missing, both due to injury, but I think inherently in how the team was built, it was heavy on skill, heavy on basketball IQ, and a little low on physicality and toughness. 
and and I think it cost them a few of the close games that they lost last season. I asked head coach Steve Clifford at the press conference how Dwight Howard's physicality will impact what the Hornets do this season. The best defensive teams, they set a tone and you wear on people. You know, and setting a tone is, it's not always a block shot or a, uh, uh, you, you know, anything like that. A lot of times it's when they cut, they know they're going to get hit. Some guy makes a cut through the lane, they know Dwight's going to bump him. He's a strong guy. I mean, that's the stuff that you want defensively uh, so that when people look at the schedule and say, we're going to Charlotte, which frankly, I tell the guys this, all year, I've told them all year, they'll tell you, I bet I said this 50 times. For three years, I think that when people looked on the schedule and said, we're playing Charlotte yes, Wednesday, they say, oh man, that is not going to be easy. This year, in the last 25 games, it was easier. And we're not going to win that way. And he can go a long way towards changing that back to the way it was. That last comment there, David, I think very telling that Dwight Howard in his mind is going to go a long way in changing the perception of of how this Hornets team plays. Yeah, all you need to know is that they were actually looking at Bam Adebayo out of Kentucky with some sort of first round draft pick, we would assume, not to say that he's not a good player or can't be a, a good player in the NBA, but like certainly not someone that you would slot around 11 or certainly that would be a high draft pick. They're looking at him because he was a phys- physical presence. I mean, that that's it. And because he was a mini Dwight Howard and that was severely lacking last year, as you said, I mean, they have filled that need in years past with like, you know, Jeff Adrian and, um, I bring him, I bring his name up about every other show for, for, <laughs> for our first time listeners, but you know, they, they've tried to, and, uh, I mean, I guess, um, gosh, uh, help me out, Doug. Well, listen, year. I mean, Al Jefferson, you um, look at it, you look Al at Jefferson. it, I mean, listen, he, he provided a, a presence inside that uh, you had to deal with, maybe not on the defensive end of the floor all the time, but, Johnny but, but rebounding Johnny o, right? and Johnny O'Brien as well. But on the offensive side of the pl- floor, he provided a physicality where, look, he was going to make contact with you. You had to send mm-hmm. double teams and, and people sent double teams to Dwight Howard last season as well. When he got it going, he got it going. So I, and how I, many, how many nights are, were we frustrated just watching it? Just loose not even loose balls but just not being physical at all i mean mm-hmm. physicality was the buzzword for like the last quarter of the season for a good reason because there wasn't any so i mean that that does you know check a big box for this team i think that's part of the reason why they went out and sought the services of roy hibbert last season so i think that gives you and some Plumley. and miles Plumley. <laughs> right? i think it gives you some vision of what the hornets think that they need to be successful and it's part of i think what played into this trade we also got a little clarity on how this will affect uh, starting center last season cody zeller clifford and show both spoke to cody about the trade who joked that one good thing about the trade is that he wouldn't have to play howard four times next season Uh, Sort of just trying to lighten the mood on this situation. Uh, Clifford stopped short of saying Dwight Howard would be the starter, saying instead that Cody is a core part of the team and that he would get big minutes, Uh, even mentioning that the two could play together, David, when teams go three out, two in. Now, in other interviews that Clifford did, I think, again, it's he's stopping short of saying Dwight Howard is going to be the starter because we're not we're, we're nowhere near the sort of preseason or, or, or training camp or anything like that. But mm-hmm. you have to think $23 million 
what he gives you in terms of his offensive ability, his physicality on defense. They're going to want to pair that with the shooting of Kemba Walker, Nick Batum, and Marvin Williams on that starting unit. Yeah, I mean, what was he like 14 hours in to the acquisition when he was coming on that in the press conference? So I think there's still some things to figure out for sure. But yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think they'll have some stuff to figure out in you know, there's going to be situational uh, substitutions and 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 lineups for sure. That that playing them together, that's that's interesting. I mean, you can see the problems with spacing with those two guys on the floor. Yeah, again, it would be very situational. I think teams he brought up uh, Clifford brought up Oklahoma City when they go three out, two in. Basically, teams that don't have enough shooters, you could kind of get away with that a little bit and maybe just try to. Uh, you know, out rebound them, uh, get those tip backs, and, and try to get points that way, as opposed to you know out shooting the other team. But I think that you, I could definitely see Dwight Howard playing big minutes at the beginning of the game to sort of set the tone physically and defensively, and then playing at yeah. the end of games to get those tip backs, to get those uh, you know tough points that you need to to win basketball games, and then really playing uh, Cody Zeller big minutes with making sure you get him in the game with Nick Batum. That's the thing. I I would love to see Nick Batum and Cody Zeller play on the second unit together because you get that that offensive dynamic that they were able to provide in the starting unit last season. If you get that off the bench, I mean, that provides a whole new, and it's definitely going to provide, it provides a whole new d- dynamic, but it's also going to provide the Hornets with depth as well. Well, and I don't think monitoring minutes for Dwight is is a bad thing at all, and and Cody, you know, if you're talking about that as well. So not that they're monitoring minutes to the point of you know having a clock on it, but I think if they're trying to split them up and over the course of a season, look, I mean, Dwight's had back issues, you know. I think his age, that's some of the concerns that come with this addition. So limiting some of those minutes along the way is going to help down the road. Yeah, and this all sounds very similar to what was said when Roy Hibbert was brought in last offseason. The difference then was that Cody Zeller was coming off an injury, could not compete for the job, but I still think that Clifford will opt for the huge physical presence inside to begin and end the game. If there is one guy you don't really have to worry about in terms of a change in role, it's Cody Zeller because it's happened to him seemingly a thousand times since he's joined the team and he's always handled it professionally. Uh, Clifford really harped on Dwight's intelligence as a player, said it several times during the press conference. Why do you think he would be doing that? Well, I don't think he would be hyping his, his intelligence or mentioning Dwight his Howard's, intelligence. Yeah, Dwight Howard's intelligence as a player. Oh, well, I mean, that's the kind of the kind of guy they want to bring in, right? I mean, that's the high basketball IQ uh, additions are what they've traditionally added to this team and, and is what they've filled this roster out with. So, um, I think certainly selling him as that type of player can only can only help. I mean, um, uh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean Clifford. Yeah, just Clifford. adding. You know what I mean? It's, it's like that. That's the kind of guy they want to they want to add. But also, um, offshoot of that is kind of the locker room they've constructed as well. And I think that can't be undersold. Just with the concerns about what Howard, the experiences he's had other places, right? Um, and and I think Rick Bonelli even said on the radio today, this is one of the most professional locker rooms he's seen covering the NBA. So that's got to be a strong point for the Hornets bringing on Howard as well. Yeah, I think Clifford wants people to understand that uh, defensively, he's more than just a shot blocker on ESPN. Charlotte, he said he was similar. He compared Dwight Howard to Marvin Williams in being able to recognize sets and understand coverages defensively. 
uh, and and that he's not just you know uh, um, he's not just a physical presence like he does he's a very intelligent basketball player I think that's what he was trying to sell there the big question though David is what kind of offensive player was Dwight Howard in his prime and and what kind of offensive player can Dwight be for the Hornets this season what, what you got some thoughts on that well I think what Atlanta went through last year and what you saw was like, there's almost like a prerequisite number of, of back downs and like post positions. So I'll be interested, interested to see how that plays out because it seems like Dwight wants to do that, you know, but it's not necessarily a strength of his at all. And we haven't really talked about a comment he made in the last couple of weeks about wanting to add a three point shot, which I just don't, I don't, I don't know which way that goes. Uh, so I'm not sure that's something they want him to attempt, but I mean, you know, you, you brought a lot of good information back from that press conference today, just about how Dwight reacts on the pick and roll in contrast to what yeah. Cody does, just kind of diving straight to the basket. You can see that playing out real well with, uh, with Kimball Walker or whomever. I mean, think about Batum and think about, um, he and Kimball coming off those screens or, or, you know, creating those screens and the creation they can make towards the basket. That's something that they haven't necessarily had really outside of Cody Zeller. I mean, someone they can exploit towards the basket when they decide to. Yeah, so Zeller and Dwight Howard, both very good pick-and-roll players. And, you know, a big storyline heading into Atlanta was how willing would Dwight Howard be to play within their pick-and-roll ball movement heavy offense, you know, that that Coach Budenholzer had installed and instead of calling for a bunch of ISO post-ups. And I think he, was, he proved he was willing and able to be a pick and roll player deriving just as much of his offense from pick and roll as he did post-ups and and putbacks and they are Zeller and Dwight Howard are different pick and roll players in that Zeller is going to roll and and look for the pass and, and put the shot up immediately whereas Dwight can be because of his size and his strength can be a little bit more patient he can roll get down seal his man or try to get on the backside of his guy and push him out and get that over the top pass david they call it the the post pin and that post pin play very successful for dwight howard he was in the 85th percentile in in that particular play last season and uh slipping the pick shooting 75 76 oh excuse me um where's my no where's the number on this i got the wrong number here Hold on. Give me some of that sax music. I need the sax music while I find sax me. All right, I got the number. When when Dwight Howard gets his defender on his hip and away from the basket, catches it over the top, 24 possessions, 40 points. I could get excited, David, about the idea of Nick Batum throwing that pass 25 to 30 times to Dwight Howard mm-hmm. next season. That's a play that sounds really juicy to me. The other numbers I was referencing was his ability to slip screen. And he did that a lot for Atlanta. He was in the 85th percentile, according to Synergy, last season when he slipped the pick, shooting 76.5% on those plays for 1.391 points for, per possession. But again, he, he's athletic enough to slip the pick and finish at the rim, drive and finish. But he can also slip the pick, seal his guy off, make the catch, and, and then finish on that post-up opportunity. So he's very versatile uh, offensively. But he's just not as dominant after those back surgeries. Those really slowed him mm-hmm. down. He's, you know, he's he's lost that leaping ability that he had. 
So, you know, he, he does have to do a little bit more work inside in, 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 as opposed to when he was in Orlando. So a slightly different player, but he can be effective in many different ways offensively. And uh, I think part of the bad rap that he accumulated for his on-the-court play had a lot to do with the situations off the court because, you know, he, he the situation ended badly in Los Angeles, it ended badly in Houston, and now it mm-hmm. looks to have ended badly in Atlanta as well. And I think those leak into the on-court stuff, and then you pair that with the back injury that limited him in terms of his minutes, but also his touches, and his attempts went down, and his point production went down, and, and all of that combined – but he is an extremely efficient offensive player, and I think uh, he can definitely, uh, if he stays healthy, and that's a big if, uh, he can improve uh, his position uh, as an, you know, his reputation as an offensive player. Uh, real quick, last thing: someone asked on Twitter if we could find a downside to this trade, and mm-hmm. I'll expand it to a worst case outcome for this trade. In my mind, the worst case outcome is the Hibbert scenario where he comes in as a starter, immediately gets hurt, and is never the same. And it might be worse than the Hibbert situation because he could do the very human thing of being upset at what he can't control and then become an issue in the locker room, whereas Hibbert seemed to take it in stride and know that his son was setting. And it would be doubly worse because the Hornets would be on the hook for even more money, albeit only for another year as opposed to the Miles Plumley contract. David, do you have a worst-case scenario for this trade? Yeah, I think injury is probably number one. I mean, the upsetting the locker room situation is a legit concern just because of the history. But again, I think they're leaning on the strong culture they've tried to create here in Charlotte and the relationship that Clifford has with Dwight Howard. Does that mean that it can't go south and go south quickly? I mean, no, not at all. But I think the uh, the contributions on the court that they're going to get had the other they would not have otherwise gotten had they not made this move or are worth that so i think they're going to lean on the culture and um you know you know count on clifford to 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 be the dwight howard whisperer as a lot of people in the national media have have coined him you know so far but certainly i mean that's what i was going to ask you doug like are we over hyping this just real quick because i mean we were so excited and that and a lot goes into that. And a lot of that is not even a, about Dwight Howard, but I just feel like um, given the situation they were in, he's going to give you something if things work out um, and, you know, if the injuries come into play, that's, that's a different story, but I just see this as, as a much higher positive than, than it could be uh, you know, a negative. I don't necessarily think we're overhyping it because I think we've been really clear about what the question marks are in terms of uh, how relationships between him and teams and coaches mm-hmm. have ended. Uh, but y- you hope that his familiarity with Steve Clifford and vice versa will do something to combat that. But that's certainly not a guarantee. There's question marks about his his back situation and his uh, injury situation, the fact that he's entering uh, his 13th season, I think are all factors that that provide huge question marks for Dwight right. Howard. I just and, think we're trying to uncover w- what the the real situation could be, what he contributes to a basketball team, which uh, not a lot of people talk about when they talk about Dwight Howard. Right. And no one's going into this saying he's going to be the savior, right? I mean, I think everyone no. that we've – talked with or interacted with is going into this with tempered expectations, which is how it should be. And I think if you approach it from that angle, 
Um, He's offering it, them know, something that they have not had. That's the thing. Right. That's why we, we go back to the physicality at the beginning of this segment. He's offering the Hornets something that they have not had, and that could be a positive, uh, just like it would have been a positive had the, remember the first game of the Hibbert era, the very short Hibbert era? Like if, if Hibbert would have been able to, contain, to continue that over the course of the season, the Hornets would have been in the playoffs. So it's and the same goes for Dwight Howard. If he's able to contribute, hell, if he's able to contribute what he contributed in Atlanta uh, o- over the course of a season, I think the Hornets <laughs> make the playoffs. So yeah. all right, we, we got to talk about the draft. Final draft thoughts, David. Uh, we're, let's start with this. What is your final top three, top four, top five for the 11th pick? All right. My, my, my top three, I'm just going to go with three here. Um, Malik Monk. Should he slide to the Hornets? That would be number one. I'm still going to go Donovan Mitchell, Doug. I know there's been a lot of talk about Kennard sliding up into that spot, especially with the addition of Dwight Howard and the subtraction, maybe more importantly, of Marco Bellinelli. But I think Donovan Mitchell gives you a little more defense, certainly, than Kennard. Uh, having him out there with Kimball Walker is more inspiring to me defensively than would be Walker and Kennard. But to be honest with you, if Kennard, and that's my third choice there, I, I'm not going to be overly upset with with any of these three additions. I think, you know, if they pass on Mitchell to go to Kennard, I'll be perturbed for a second. But um, I think the shooting value is there, even if it may be a little overinflated given the lack of straight-up shooters in this draft. But I think they're going to get a good player at 11 uh, if they stay there, and I think those guys are, are writing attention. Yeah, shooting and backup point guard, I think, are the two things that the Hornets will be looking for in this draft. My top five goes like this. Malik Monk, if he somehow falls, that would require probably Zach Collins jumping into the top 10 and also uh, French Frank. So if Monk does fall, I think that has to be the pick. I'm going to go with Dennis Smith Jr. as my number two. And again, same situation. If a few people jump into that top 10, all of a sudden the concerns about Smith and his time with the Wolfpack and not being able to lead that team to just the expectations that people had for that Wolfpack team. It's a different situation than the Markel Fultz situation in Washington because everybody expected Washington to be bad, but people thought that NC State would be good and and they were not. And, and I think the, some of that is falling on Dennis Smith. Uh, but I, th- I think the Hornets would be um, lucky to get a, a yep. talent like Dennis Smith. And then, so those are my two sort of unrealistic guys who could fall. But uh, of my three that will most likely be there for the Hornets, I'm going to go Luke Kennard, Donovan Mitchell, and then uh, Zach Collins. So Kennard is number one for me because I just think they've addressed defense. They've addressed rim protection. You're, you're getting some depth at, at the defensive uh, side of the floor with Zeller moving to the second unit. So I think you go shooting here. You replace Marco Bellinelli, who you lost. Go Kennard with that pick. I think worst case scenario is getting a guy like Lowry Markinen, though. <laughs> I think that's totally worst case if they opt to, uh, to throw a curveball into the situation. Yeah, the one thing, Doug, okay, so the three-pointers they gave up last year on the perimeter, that was a major problem. And that, Okay, yeah, let's talk levels. about this. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So um, our, our, our guy Reynas for AtTheHive.com wrote a great article on this subject, the fact that the Hornets gave up a lot of three-pointers. It's a complicated situation. And, and you, you would look at it and go, okay, they gave up a lot of three-pointers. They gave a, up a lot of three-point attempts. What's going on here? And you immediately look at those wing defenders and say, hey, what, hey, MKG, hey, Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, what are you guys doing? Right. But the fact that they had no legitimate backup center or 
legitimate rim protection caused them to have to sink down. It was the same. It was the same situation, uh, basically, that they had when Al Jefferson was suiting up, and that everything had to sink towards. And it's part of their priority. Their priority is to protect the rim. And when you don't have a rim protector, and when you don't have physical presences inside, then you have to sink your defense. How many times do we see MKG have to? basically drop down to the free throw line to help out with uh, an on-ball drive. And, and just so now, now imagine Dwight Howard underneath the basket. MKG's not going to necessarily have to do that. You can trust your back line to take care of a drive or two. And, and so I think that's going to help the three-point defense. <clears throat> yeah, fair enough. I, I think Mitchell just gives you far and away a better option out there than does Canard, but also uh, I think listen, one thing I would, we have not. Listen, I'll be happy with the Mitchell pick. I'm just, yeah, I just think no, no, no. that the, you, you go for the right sure thing. Too. One thing that we haven't talked a lot about in this offseason and, and maybe even uh, coming out of uh, last season in regards to that is I do think MKG this year will be healthier, right? He was still coming back off some of those shoulder injuries, and maybe that will help things too. But certainly something they got to shore up, and it's going to be interesting because. They may have that choice. I think if it comes down to it, they're those two guys are going to be there. Uh, and if it's the choice between those two, that, that that'll go a long way, you know, to say where their focus is or, or where they feel like they can self-correct. Because even if you get Kennard, you feel good about Clifford trying to work him into the system and, and be a um, you know a defensive guy at least complementary. So, uh, but like I said, Doug, I mean. You're not going to be upset with Mitchell. I'm not going to be distraught with Kennard. So, I mean, I think they're going to get a, a, a contributing player. All right, let's uh, go to the uh, let's go to email and answer a few questions. Uh, Eric writes in, I'm a first time emailer since listening to this show starting in January when I moved to Charlotte. Well, hey, welcome to the club, Eric. You're a hardcore Hornets fan and welcome to Charlotte. Eric writes, if in the event that both Malik Monk and Donovan Mitchell are still on the board for the Kings at pick 10, would it be a realistic trade for the Hornets to swap their 11th and 31st pick for the Kings 10th and 34th pick in order to get Malik Monk? Man, so that's going to be an even tougher scenario, I think, because if you got Monk within reach, it's going to be really hard to say no. And I, I like his scoring and his personality as a player enough that I might do that, Doug, to be honest with you. Although I just think having shipped out Bellinelli and given the fact that they need to fill out their roster, they really need to add two good players in this draft. They need to hit uh, home runs on, on both of these picks. So that would be tough. If it's Monk, though, man, I, I don't know. If they can get that done, I, I would almost sign off on it, to be honest with you. Well, so Eric's scenario is, I guess, that the Hornets would get the 34th pick, so they would drop oh, back I'm three sorry. spaces. What? But I, I was going to ask you that follow-up question. So you answered my follow-up question, and I'm with you. I, I don't think the Kings would move down one uh, a spot in the first round to move up three in the second. On the other hand, it is the Kings, so you never know. Uh, but I'm with you, David. I, I think it's if Monk is there, then I think if they really like what Monk brings, then it's going to be very difficult not to consider that to move up and, and get their guy. All right, Aaron right. also writes in, I'm a huge fan of the team and the podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Huh. I like the locked on mock draft. And since this new trade for Dwight Howard, what positions 
will the Hornets need to succeed next season? Yeah, David, he wasn't talking about our locked-on mock trade. He was no. talking about the Dwight <laughs> Howard trade. Um, maybe you like that, too. I don't know. Um, okay, so what positions will the Hornets need now that they've added Dwight Howard to the roster? Well, we talked about a little bit um, yesterday morning, the same ones, I think, back up point guard and, and wing depth, right? I mean, that's that's the two big ones for me. Yeah, same. Backup point guard, wing depth. I think they still need to add another big. Uh, so, But I think that's sort of a veteran minimum type of thing at this point. You go out and find a value solution there. Uh, but definitely backup point guard and then shooting, I think, is going to be. Although yeah. uh, Steve Clifford disagreed a little bit at the press conference saying that you know, three-point shooting uh, may be something that comes from within. You know, looking back on two seasons ago, it wasn't like they added a ton of three-point shooters. Jeremy Lin uh, wasn't gangbusters from beyond the arc. He did a lot of things for that offense, but three-point shooting was maybe least of them. And uh, they had Kimball Walker and Marvin Williams take a majority of their three-pointers, and they couldn't miss. And so, but there was this perception, I guess, that the Hornets added a ton of three-point shooting. They really didn't. And then you saw Marvin Williams regress from beyond the arc. You saw Jeremy Lamb regress. And uh, Marco Bellinelli and Kimball Walker were your two best three-point shooters among the rotation players. And now you lose Bellinelli. So I still think you have to add something in terms of shooting and then hope that Kimball Walker continues his pace and that somebody, Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb, someone steps up and provides you a little better shooting than they did last season. Okay, uh, we've talked a, a ton about what's been gained in this trade in, in Dwight Howard, but we haven't talked about we haven't talked much about what I just mentioned, which is what's been lost. Let's spend a brief moment discussing Marco Bellinelli. He came, he saw, he blocked us on Twitter, but he did a lot of good things for the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> David, what will the Hornets have to replace in Marco Bellinelli? They'll have to replace perhaps the greatest buzzer beater that never was uh, with his shot off the back, uh, <laughs> the out-of-bounds play off the back in Detroit. Uh, but no, I mean, just the, the, the three-point shooting is the biggest thing, Doug. I mean, we talked a lot about this season, about how poor he was on defense, and it was painful to watch at times. I mean, getting beat on the back door and losing his man all over the court. But he did bring about the only consistent punch at times for this unit off the bench in this three-point shooting. So that's the biggest thing. And they're going to have to recover that because Lamb, like you said, was under 30% for the season. And and even if you know some of those guys improve, I'd feel more comfortable if they added a guy just to be safe. He could hit tough shots. He could move the yeah. basketball. He could create his own shot. And get fouled. Uh, and he could get, get fouled on that three. Absolutely right. And he was a 20-point threat. So you've got to find a way to replace all of those things, whether you do that internally with Jeremy Lamb or you go out and seek that, uh, seek that in free agency or in this draft. Okay, we're going to say goodbye to Marco Bellinelli the only way that we know how. A 10-drop salute. Take a listen. All your time waiting Marco Bellinelli! For that second chance For a break that would make it okay Bellinelli! Help was definitely made by the bench brigade. In the arms of the An Italian job. Give him three. Star 
Cajones. Cajones. Beautiful. To Marco, we say goodbye and good luck. And to all of you out there, we say goodbye and uh, good fortune tonight. Locked on Hornets live draft special, 7.30 p.m. Tune in youtube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Get your questions in last second here. Buzz buzz at Locked on Hornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.